HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made-in-America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Shoot up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. I usually am. Yeah, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Ray Roll. Yeah. Ready to roll. Um, let's just wing it. Have you got, have you got, oh, we're not using your recorder. So you can't put that, um, that cover up deal where you always say, and now we're going to stop for a commercial break <laughs> because the batteries are dead in the recorder. Yeah. I and you call, me te- you call me tech challenged. Well, I mean, I know how to do it. I just forget. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. all right um 
let's just get right into it, Chris. What do you think? What are we talking about? We're talking about we're 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 spinning off what me and Shorty talked about. Mm-hmm. Me and Shorty talked about the differences between training dogs, how we train them, for pure PKC competition, pure money mm-hmm. hunts. I mean, we don't, we, you could say, well, you, you train for a competition dog or it's a competition, but it's just for really one registry, sometimes two that we're training for. And it's a very specific, you know, set of rules that we're, we're training towards. Sure. Whereas you have multi-purpose dogs that will run and tree multiple types of game, which is similar to what Shorty and them guys are doing and what them guys out West are doing. Cause they'll go from lions to bobcats to sometimes bears and stuff, but Eastern dogs, you don't get that very often in Wisconsin, yeah. maybe, but you know where you're at in Indiana. So you got to think when we're talking about from a six week old puppy, you know, you pick it up, you take it out. You're obviously going to start your puppy on coons. And so where does that training go from there to lean towards uh, big game stuff? Cause you've ran out West on lines with your dogs too. Yep. Line. They've, I was I was actually uh, looking at it today. Um, the only thing, the only thing that I haven't chased with hounds, the only well, there's two things that are legal to chase with hounds that I haven't intentionally chased is um, is deer and coyote now. So, uh, but I've been I've been deer hunting in the south um, and coyote hunting and things like that. But you know, I, I grew up and spent most of my life um, training coon hounds and, and wanting to have that high level coon hound. And I was, I'm a better trainer and I know what it takes to get that dog to that, that level of being able to compete. We did it for years, but I'm not a good handler and, and I really didn't enjoy handling, but when I would go to, whether it was the AKC world hunt or the PKC world hunt, you know, I, I always got handed the card. So it's not like I don't know what it is and I don't know what to expect in those situations. You know, I, growing up in Indiana and, and hunting in Indiana, I'm, I was looking at just the UKC world record. Nobody can touch Indiana for the number of world world champions. And I've had the opportunity to hunt with those dogs and be around those great, um, you know, dog men, uh, that, that are competition coon hunters. So I know what that is. So, um, getting back to, to, I just want great dogs. You know, I just want good dogs. I want solid dogs. I want dogs that have the, um, ability to run tracks and, and locate game and stay treed and stay and stay out of trouble and, and things like that. So, I mean, I, I'm looking for the same, a lot of the same things that a competition coon hunter are. But, yeah, but, but when you think of that, like you got jazz, you hunt jazz on bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coons. I have started hunting on bears. Yeah, and and coons. Yeah. And so when I look at that and say I live in a in an area with all that stuff and I'm also live cuz what separates us right now is is habitat and space and things like that because it ain't like I'm here in North Missouri, I can have a dog that just goes and and takes a day old lion track out you know we don't right. have, we don't have i don't have that opportunity if i wanted to if i was where you were at i'd be a bobcat hunter but yeah we do we have a lot of bobcat. you know i tried yeah. that one time did i ever tell you about my bobcat no. story so uh 
It was two years ago. Is this, a good, is this going to be funny? Oh, yeah. It was two years ago. I thought there's there's nothing to it. Piece of cake. Dog's going to run a hot track, and I've got freaking trashy dogs. I've always had trashy dogs. I even had old Blue in the dog box. That's how serious I got. There you go. Because I will give Blue one thing. He wasn't any good at it, but he would run anything that laid a track. I yep. mean, absolutely anything. Wouldn't tree. Absolutely wouldn't tree. He'd tree a squirrel every now and then, but he was real loose. But I thought I will take Blue, and I will take Dream, who is a four-year-old walker female that's a she's a coon dog i mean she's she trees a lot of coons she's not a competition dog she is she kind of covered too much and she didn't really get a good shot but she was this dog was really good at treeing coons too good tree dog and i thought if i can find just a scolding hot bobcat track and dump blue on it and i i can get this female and and, and cut here cut her into blue because she'll cover and she'll on her track Mm-hmm. I said, I can cut her into blue and, and she's a good track dog. Maybe she can finish this and get this cat tree. Right. So I'm thinking, yeah, piece of cake. And I, right. fi- I find this track that it's a miracle. I haven't seen the cat because the wind's blowing 15, 20 mile an hour and it's snowing like crazy. And these tracks yeah. are crossing the road just like they were just made a minute ago. Yeah. And so I cut these dogs and blue gets struck. He's running this cat track. He runs it in there probably 150, 200 yards. I cut dream into him. She goes in there, opens with him. They go two, 300 yards down this ditch in the cedar thicket. I mean, bang, load up and dream is locked mm. down. I'm thinking, all right, piece of cake. This bobcat hunting's easy. So I go down there. It's slick. It's bad slick. Now you can see where the cat went up. She was in a hedge tree. You can see where the cat went up the hedge tree and went right down it. The tree leaned over yeah. down a horseshoe. Cat kept going. Here's my coon dog, which, you know, that's what they're bred to do. They smell that's scent going up do. that tree. They're locked up. They're loaded. They ain't supposed to leave trees and stuff. Right. Well, Blue's still running around trying to finish this track that he 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 took it going out, but he couldn't do nothing with it. This is he was mm-hmm. sorry track dog. And so I cut Dream into it, and they run another two hundred yards, and this cat had went up and down, and she treated again. And I'm already froze to death, and now I can't catch Blue because I've never trained him to do anything. I chase him around <laughs> for another forty five minutes. I I put the T five on him instead of the fifteen, so I couldn't even tone him. And I chase this <laughs> idiot Blue tick around for two hours. And then I finally get him caught, and I thought, well, I'll go home and get Duds, who's at that time was nine. And I've turned this dog loose all as for nine, for eight years. I've turned this dog loose. He's never treated Bobcat. <laughs> so <laughs> the odds, the odds of this dog, I thought about that after I turned him and Dream loose on this scold, another scolding hot Bobcat track. And he went like, it's daytime. He went like two and a half miles and treated Coon on the outside. And Dream went a mile and a half the other way and treated entry, which I assume had a coon in it too. So that that was yeah. my that was my I'm just gonna be a bobcat hunter tail. <laughs> it lasted about a day. That was it. <laughs> yeah, but man, you know, I up there where you're at in that north Missouri country, man, there's tons of bobcats. You guys get my biggest thing down here um about where I live is I've got to drive. You know, I've yeah. got to drive to places to hunt. We don't have bears. We don't have hogs. We don't have bobcats. Right. We don't. We don't. Some people think we have mountain lions, but uh, that's debatable. And we do have black panthers. Uh, <laughs> don't even. <laughs> don't even. Everybody's seen them. No, except yeah, me. everybody's seen them, except for man, the people that actually calls. go outside. Those oh, are the only man, people I, that haven't seen them. I used to get the calls, mm. and it would be like, it'd be like, man, I found. I found tracks back around my cornfield, and I know it's a big cat. Yeah. And it, it, when I first started getting those calls, I'd drive out there, and I'd look at the track, and I'd say, no, that's a dog track. And I'd tell them why. I'd show it to them. Yeah, and but they, they still don't believe, believe you. Me. No. They no, they still you. don't believe me. No. So I got smart later on. 
and these guys, these people would call in. It's like, man, I found a big trap. And I, so I'd start playing it up. I said, is it real big? Yeah. Is it, is it look like it's round? Yeah. Does it have big claws in it? And they'd say, oh yeah, big claws. And I'd say, that's a dog track. Yeah. That, you know, that would be just, a great Pyrenees. It, <laughs> it, would, it would just destroy. Mm. I had people cuss me, call me liars, yes. everything, you know, everything under the sun. I'm but, in I'm in the minority. We're going to get off track here, but I want to talk about this anyway because I'm in the minority <laughs> that I I think the Missouri Department of Conservation is one of the greatest departments of conservation on the in all mm-hmm. for, in the lower 48. Great, they do a fantastic job. They maintain tons of public land for us. Uh, our our hunting laws are usually make pretty good sense and stuff. So I got a lot of respect for the MDC. And a lot of houndsmen don't because they're at odds with the hog stuff. And, you know, I'm not down south where the hogs are, so I can't comment on that. And I may have a different view if I was down there with those houndsmen, too, where they can't run hogs. But, yeah, we do a great job. And the MDC it really takes in a lot of those mountain lion calls and those Black Panther calls. And they take them all seriously. And I know that they just would rather be doing anything else when they go down there and have to do that. But they do a good job, and, and they try to... They try to check out everyone, and we have had several mountain lion sightings. You know, we do have, yeah, we do have some yeah. mountain lions that come through. We probably don't have a breeding population yet, but we do have. Right, right. I know you're going, and you're right. We are getting off track, but Indiana got to that point too. Yeah, uh, where we had to, and then we had a confirmed deal over in Southwest Indiana. So then we really had to start taking it serious. Yep, yep. But anyway, back to back to dogs. Mm-hmm. So. The difference in, and it, you, you used to hear about these multi-purpose dogs all the time. Tree squirrels in the day, coons at night, uh, run rabbits sometimes, you know, in the day, tree and coons at night. Yeah. And actually, absolute, you know, they called them a meat dog. They didn't care mm-hmm. what they chased as long as they put game up a tree and caught it and stuff like that. And we can't, we can't train for that. I mean, nope. we absolutely can't have it. No. So you've got a dog like Jazz that mm-hmm. you're doing both with. And so you can, you can mountain lion hunter, you can, you know, run around bears in Wisconsin or West Virginia or wherever you're at, and then you can take her back home and you can treat coons. So, I mean, when a training, I, that absolutely just, you know, I can't, there's no way I would do that. I mean, I can't, yeah. you know, not, not compete in the way we do, but how does the training of something like that go? Cause I mean, they, that dog's got to kind of know what game you're after when you do it. Yeah. It's a, it with jazz and and people that have hunted with jazz and know jazz uh i mean she's no slouch coon dog i mean she's um she's upper she's an upper echelon type coon dog and um but the thing of it is i was finding myself not going to hunts and not doing the competition thing and it's, it's the dumbest thing. I mean, I'll just admit my own stupidity here. I worked my whole life to have a caliber of dog like this that I could compete with. And then I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. You know, I, and I'm, I, and, and so in, when I started bear hunting, I started doing a lot of these other things. Then I didn't want to leave her sitting at home and I left her at home a lot the first couple years. And then I thought, you know what? I don't want my wife to have to take care of her. I'm just going to throw her in the truck and, and started 
riding around with her and, and taking her with me and stuff. And I started turning her loose on tracks, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's just see what she'll do. And then she got to where she was rigging bears mm -hmm. and things from the truck. But I, I think it goes back to having the right kind of dog, the, the kind of dog that, um, has high hunt drive and high prey drive. Um, and then knowing that they can't strike deer and they can't run deer. So break them off the things that you don't want them to run and then allow them to run things that you do want them to run. But they and, also, uh, they also in those styles of hunting, you know, say she rigs a bear, you get her cut loose. She starts that truck track. You cut two or three dogs into her. One of them maybe pushes that track a little farther than her and, and it's winning the race. And like our dogs, at that time they need to peel out you know they you need know to, you know so there's a difference there as far as you know you want her to you want her to pack a little bit whereas we absolutely can't have it i didn't think she would do it i really didn't because she would she is a she is a loner type dog a natural loner she's yeah. not a dead loner but she's pretty close She's pretty close to a dead loner, but that dog knows, I'm telling you, that dog knows when we go to a competition hunt, she knows like she's, she'll look pretty common. If it's just me and her, if we go out here and it's just me and her hunting, she'll look pretty common. But if somebody comes to hunt or I haul her to a competition hunt, she turns it up a notch. She's, she's weird like that. She's, and so I was really wondering how she would react. And you can't, oh man, you can't imagine. I, I actually laughed the first time I walked in. Here's this coon dog from Indiana sitting under a, a bear tree with a bunch of dogs that she doesn't know. She started this track, ran it around the mountain. Another guy got in on the race and she was running this bear and they all ended up getting treed together. And I actually laughed when I topped them out and looked down there and saw a grand night champion coon dog that had been alone most of her life treed with a bunch of strange dogs. I just, I laughed my ass off. I was so like, you gotta be kidding me. Let's pump the brakes here a little, a little bit, right. pal, because I got a question for you. Yeah. Had she ever been hunted on bear and she done no. pretty, did she do pretty well from the get go? The first, the first, yes. Okay. Now, hold, first, oh, whoa, whoa, was, whoa, whoa. Go ahead. Cause me and you already had this argument. And we so you didn't take, have the so you take we this Eastern have, no, competition no, 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 no. dog and you go out there. This was not the <laughs> argument. This was not the argument. The argument was the arrogant Josh Michaelis saying that it's a pinnacle of what you do with a dog. So it you, wasn't that you couldn't take You a, just take got, this Eastern hey, coon dog out there and it's fine. It's never ran a bear in its life. It can't be that it, hard. It, it, it was a good deal. She's an exceptional dog. And that, that, but, that was actually one of my points is these dogs are yeah. exceptional dogs. Yeah, you're right. You know. They are. They are. I'm not going to argue that. And I wouldn't, I would never argue the point that you couldn't take some of these, uh, you know, high, hybrid, they've got to have hunt drive. They got to have prey drive. Mm -hmm. Those are the keys to doing what they do. Um, I'm not as much into the color or the region you're hunting. I, I truly believe that if you take a game with a, a dog, a pup, with high hunt drive and high prey drive that comes from a reasonable uh, uh, stock of dogs that can do a reasonable job of moving a track. If they've got the drive to, they're going to 
become familiar with that. Well, let's let's talk about the differences in in raising and training a dog that you want to do what you're doing with jazz mm-hmm. or some of your other dogs. You know that they're they're a multi-purpose, multi-game, but also an Eastern Coon dog. You know that that because that's that's not very common. You know that's hard to train for, I assume. And to me, just like how me and Shorty talked about how what he does with his dogs and how I start my pups is going to be different because of the different things that we're we're trying to do with them. Yours mm-hmm. has got to be too. And so say say Jazz is or say Jazz has a litter of pups, or say out of this last litter of country pups or something like that, and you're going to keep one back, and you don't want it to be just an Eastern Coon dog. You know, you want it to be, you want to be able to haul it to Colorado and turn it loose on a lion track, or you want to be able to haul it to West Virginia and turn it loose on a bear track, and you want it to succeed. How are you going to go about starting that pup from like, you know, eight weeks to six months? What are you going to do with it that's different than, say, what I would probably do with one of mine? Well, for starters, eight eight weeks to six months is mainly just handling, hauling, stuff like that. Um it's going to be running loose around the place. You know, I, I, it's not uncommon if I've got a litter of pups here and I'm holding a couple back, you know, if I hunt here from the house, if they decide that they want to go and they're 12 weeks old, you know, they're going, they're going with, as long as they can keep up. Uh, but I don't, I don't put them up and, and I just let them go and I let them do their own thing. And, 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 that's pretty much it you, you know, know what just, about because uh, those dogs are going to have to pack some mm-hmm. you know so what about you know i you heard me and shorty talk about what do i do to encourage that independence throughout their entire life because you know just as well as i do that's yeah. not a natural it's natural to some dogs don't get me wrong it's natural to some yeah. dogs uh con was an instance where he never wanted to be with dogs from the day he was born mm-hmm. now like i told shorty you run into a different set of challenges with a dog like that most dogs like that are a little odd. They're a little hard They're to deal weird. with sometimes. They're weird dogs. Yep. And so how would how do you treat, you know, because you're going to be doing more. You're going to want to take it to a night hunt here and there. You know, how are you going to treat independence in a dog like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. Well, I mean, are you, you going to encourage mean. it? Are you going to encourage them to pack a little? Or what do you, what are you going to, I reward, don't. What are you going to reward that dog for? Okay. I do, I do not. So far, and I'll, and I'll just say that there's a difference between having dogs that will run bear and chase bear and having bear dogs. You know, uh, I am not going to insult guys that I know have had great bear dogs and try to say that Jazz is a great bear dog. She's a dog that is a utility dog. And that's fine with me. That's all I need, you know. Um, but here, I don't start pups any different than I would start when I did when I was coon hunting. I really don't. Um, the way I always started pups was you just let them start. You, you see what, which ones are natural. Then you single them out and then you push them and you look, I, I never really went to the, the extent of keeping them isolated, keeping them, um, keeping them away from other dogs, things like that. Like the Mongo dog that that Chad Shima has, that dog was naturally he didn't want to be with mm-hmm. anything else. You know, he just he didn't he didn't want to be with anything. He would he would 
if a dog treed, he would go the other way. And it's almost to the point where it was a, almost a fault in him. Um, but I didn't discourage it, you know? So for me, I think, I think any dog that we have, I want, I want every one of those dogs in my box when I'm bear hunting to be independent. Um, I want them to be able to do their own thing, but I also want them to understand that, um, you can't be, you can't be running over the top of the mountain because you hear another dog running a track. They can't be breaking their neck to find a new zip code. So there really isn't anything that I do that's special. All right. So what I think, I think competition counters a lot of times go the extra step to ensure like, like you talked about, you know, making sure that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they don't ride in the dog box with anything else. You know, I've got to have dogs that ride in the dog box. Mm-hmm. What if when you talk about, like, I couldn't take, I'm just going to use con for an example. Again, I couldn't take him. I mean, I'd had to take some of that independence out of him, which is, mm-hmm. it's, it, which people don't understand. That's not hard to do. Could I make, I think I could have made con a pack and stipe type dog with some work, you know, even though he's a natural, you just, you just reward the dogs for being with dogs instead of not, you know, I mean, that's basically all it amounts to. And so say if, you know, he's got dogs coming into him, you know, he let two dogs, you know, be rewarded with a coon or something like that. You know, it's not hard to take it out of them, but we just encourage it, you know, throughout their whole careers. And so it just, and I'm, I'm just going to be blunt is that when we look at a pack dog, we have a real biased view for it. You know, a dog that'll, Absolutely. a dog that'll go to a dog that's running or a dog that'll go to a dog that's treated. It just makes us want to puke. I mean, we, right. we hate it. We don't like it. And so even though I understand that that's what some of these hunters need and want, I just find it so hard to encourage a dog to do that. And I, I feel myself being unimpressed by that when really mm-hmm. I shouldn't be, I mean, I shouldn't, I should look at that as, you know, the dog done what it was supposed to do. Yeah. I think, I think I understand what you're getting at now. Um, you know, one of the things that I commonly do, especially, you know, with the plots, because they, they will tree coons, but they, they would not sue you. As a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't suit me as coon dogs. <laughs> but I take them and I hunt them because they need the work mm-hmm. and they need the exercise and they need that. And in fact, some of my old coon hunting buddies, uh, Jazz was in heat last year and they said, Hey, you want to go hunting? I said, Yeah, but I'm bringing the plot mob. You know, if you want to come over and hunt with it, you can, but you're going to be, you're going to be wondering, they're going to think, what the hell is he doing? You know, cause they're not used to seeing me with a dog like right. that. But so with the plots, a lot of times what I will do is when I start them and I start them on coon and I know it's because it's out of necessity. You know, I know a lot of guys that never coon hunt their bear dogs and that's fine. Um, but I do hunt, start them on coon and I will let like I'll drive around on my side by side jazz will rig, will rig coons out Mm -hmm. of the box. And 
she's done that since she was a small puppy. So, and I know she's not going to rigging on deer. So, so when she rigs one, I'll just stop and let them out and and I'll build up that excitement and that desire to want to go. And I'll hold them for just a few minutes, few seconds, you know, 30 seconds to a minute smoking hot tracks and just keep putting them on those tracks with jazz. I don't dump her. I never dumped her to other dogs. I always dump dogs to her. So, I mean, so, so you're, you're treating jazz different than you're treating your basic full-time bear dogs. I, I always have. Right. Yeah. And I did when she was a puppy. I mean, I, I was hell bent on making her the, the best coon dog that I could. So what know, about I was real particular about the way I handle her? What about you say your plots, you know, you, you, you hunt your plots on coons. You start them on coons. Is that a problem whenever you go out to West Virginia bear hunting? Do they stop and treat a coon every now and then? You know, Jazz actually treated a coon um, while we were bear hunting. I was the most popular guy in town. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> those those dogs are encouraged to pack, too. Yeah, so if Jazz are. runs a pretty good track, and she blows up tree. Them dogs are supposed to kind of be around her that's and with wh- her. and so That's it, why I was so yeah. popular. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a big den tree, and I'm pretty sure she's treated on a coon, and they don't want to be walking a coon tree. Yeah. So, yeah, it can happen. But... Um, it's, it's one of those deals. A lot of the times when we're bear hunting, you know, we're, we're hunting in areas where the coon populations are lower. I mean, you go to the Appalachian mountains up in the laurel thickets and stuff, you might find a coon out and you might find a coon track that you can run. But if you're going to free cast, then, then a lot of times it's going to be a bear. But, um, it's just one of those deals. It's like, pal, what are your dogs doing? It's like, I don't know. I, they're, they're treated in there on something. I'll walk, I'll walk in and see. And some, some days it's Chris walking in there and I don't inconvenience the rest of them. Right. If I get there and it's a bear, I call back on the radio and say, it's a bear or it's, it's, it's a coon, yeah. you know, just the way it's gotta be. So, but, I mean, uh, that's just, just, that's one of the lumps you gotta take. It's one of the lumps you gotta take. Yeah. And I, I, I don't remember who said this, but somebody put it into perspective for me one time they said well you're out here to hunt aren't you yeah well what does it matter what you're walking to i was like well i'm really out here to bear hunt but if you walk to a coon tree is that the end of the world no not necessarily you know so well, i've seen some of the mountains and stuff they hunt out there in west virginia that'd be the freaking end of the world for me <laughs> if i'm bear hunting and walking into a coon i'm not going to be very happy probably <laughs> oh that's that's mainly what it is and yeah. it, even the swamps of wisconsin or you know the mountains in idaho yeah but uh it's just it i really believe once you get them dialed in i i've watched and i've watched i've watched bear dogs guys that i know that have bear dogs and they also lion hunt them yeah and uh, so you transition from bear season to lion season and it takes a, cu- a few days, you know, to get them dialed back in. And it's usually switching from bear and then going to lion. When they're on bear, they're kind of rammy and they, they overrun a lot of stuff and they, they do different stuff like that. But, but so it takes a few days to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, get them dialed back in, but, but they can transition pretty easy and they figure it out pretty quick. I assume, uh, I assume them dogs can take chances on a bear that they can't take on a lion. Uh, would I be correct in that? Like they can, if they overrun a bear track or if they're doing something, cause I mean, a bear has got to be easier to track than a mountain lion. You know, 
I don't know that I'm even qualified to talk yeah. about that. I, I know I'm not. That's when why I, I was asking you. <laughs> when when you start talking about that Southwest dry ground lion hunting stuff, mm-hmm. man, that is such a, you vary off that track five to 10 yards one way or another. If you don't have another dog there that from what I've, what I've, the discussions I've had, if you don't have another dog there to pick that up and take it, then you're, you're losing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think one thing that we overlook and I'll, I'll tie this back into, um, I'll tie this back into the way we used to train our police dogs. When we train, when we train police dogs, we did what was called gear association. Dogs can pick up on the different types of gear if you handle them consistently. Mm-hmm. So when I was handling a police dog, she was a detection dog. She was a tracking dog and she was an area search dog. When we did detection work, then I set her up different. I, I snapped the collar into the dead ring on the, on the choke chain. I set her up different. I acted different. I handled her different for that job. When we went to tracking, then she always sat between my legs. I put the tracking harness on her. She was getting that, you know, she was putting that all together in her mind. We're doing the same things every time I'm patting her on the chest. I hook into the back D ring and, and away we go. And then when we do area search, we always use the snap collar. So when we reached around there, we're having sitting there. They're not putting the, you know, you're not snapping into the dead ring. You're not putting on the harness. And now they hear that click of that snap collar. And you made sure that that was a snap collar that you used. And bang, you free cast them. And now they know they're doing an area search. Right. So dogs are capable of learning at that level. And so when I bear hunt. What about, you're talking about police dogs though. Yep. And you're looking at a Malinois or a shepherd or something like that. And those dogs are notoriously intelligent. Mm-hmm. Those are smart. Now, don't get me wrong. Our hounds have came a long ways in the last 20 years, as far as intelligence wise, mm-hmm. but I still, some of them are on that level. You know, I feel like I've had dogs that were on me and me and shorty called it border collie smart. You know, I've mm-hmm. had, but most of them aren't like that. You know, I don't think. You're just hunting the wrong dogs. Well, it, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I am. So but, I. but our dogs also can't be focused on multiple things either. You know, they, they're, well, yeah, they're laser-focused type animals, you know, so any variation that, in their training is, is kind of sometimes detrimental. I think the hound community as a whole has, has um, overlooked the intelligence of the hound. I, I agree uh, on that, they, yeah. They react in different ways than say your lab does or, yeah. you know, our boxer does or whatever. But the majority of us, uh, I, if, if we brought that hound into the house, if we spent as much time as I do with that, I mean, that boxer in the house, I've got duds sitting right over here next to me laying on his they bed. Know, he ain't now he ain't that smart. <laughs> I've had, <laughs> I've had duds in the house a majority of his life and that dog's dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> so it well, ain't all of them. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But, but, you know, getting back to the bear dog thing, lion dog thing, right. whatever, it's, it's more of a deal where they know when we're doing stuff. When I go to bear camp, I'm not at a competition hunt because I've got a, I've got a 
tie out and things are getting tied out and they're getting fed on the line. They're getting, they, I do the same things with them every time. And I do things differently than when I'm chasing raccoons in Indiana. Uh, you know, when I chase raccoons in Indiana, it looks like when you go coon hunting, yeah. you know, dog box in the back of the truck, it's dark. Those dogs know the difference from, from when I'm just walking out to feed and when I'm walking out to go hunting, no. they do. I've got, they absolutely know. My boy's got that squirrel dog, that cur dog. That tree's a fire out of coons. I mean, this mm -hmm. dog, this dog tree's a lot of coons. And you he know, KC hunter. Yeah. Well, he, if he had a little more range, I would, but we also, yeah, we rode broke him and we did things like that to make him a pleasure to hunt. Sure. And like I told Jace, when we started that squirrel dog, I said, look, I chase these coon dogs sometimes a mile and a half on a drop. I said, I ain't chasing that squirrel dog. I yeah. said, that squirrel dog's <laughs> going to hunt with us. You know, we, right. we hunt out of buggies and that dog will get out of the buggy. And as soon as I let him out, pet him up and say, let's go hunting. I get back in the buggy and he, he stares at my front tire. I mean, just yeah. absolutely locked. And as soon as that front tire starts moving, that dog starts hunting. He, and he, knows, we, it's time he knows when it's time to coon hunt and we hunt him the same way, but he has a little more range at night. He's, mm -hmm. he's running tracks at night. You know, he's not looking to just get treed like he is when he's squirrel hunting. So, I mean, I, I understand that they know the difference and that dogs can pick up on a difference but also like we're talking about your plots and we're talking about jazz sometimes i wonder if um, like our dogs like i mentioned earlier are so laser focused and they're so they're such specialists that mm -hmm. you make a dog um, a jack of all trades and a master of none when you go to doing that i mean mm -hmm. is that something that you you think you yeah. run into you know or they're they're good bear dogs or they're good coon dogs but they're not great at either you know, is that something yeah, you can, think? I mean, I, I just, I wonder if it's a detriment in the long run, if you're looking to do, you know, one thing really well. Um, yes. It, yes. I think, you know, I've, I've probably got the most half-assed dogs I've ever had right now. Um, they don't get enough reps on bear to be great bear dogs. Right. They're not great coon dogs but it's a stage of my hunting life that I am now. I have fun doing it. Yeah. You know, if I was, if I was still dialed in to competition coon hunting, it wouldn't work. If I was a diehard Appalachian bear hunter, my dogs wouldn't treat coons, wouldn't treat coons during a bear race. Yeah. Um, it's just the risk that I have, been willing to take you know because i personally i don't keep a lot of dogs and i i don't like i would not like to have you know a pack of bear dogs over here and a, and my coon dogs over here and and leaving these dogs and taking these dogs and then leaving these dogs and taking these dogs and so you know it's the point of where I'm at, there's some things that I don't do with them. You know, I'm not, we could coyote hunt too, but I, I'm not brave enough to try that, yeah. you know, and then have them trashing on a wolf pack and in Idaho and have that whole mess. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I mean, when you, when you have a dog like that, then as long for me personally, as long as I'm not, and I've done it, but, um, as long as I'm not chasing them through the mountains, running an elk or a moose, 
which my two coon dogs showed some Montana dogs how to run a moose one day. Yeah. And uh we've had trader you know, we've had a trader dog run a moose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and you, you you know they're dead broke on deer, but man, that moose is just too much. But yeah, I I I would say that that it's a jack of all trades, master of none, and it just comes down to a personal choice of what you're willing to accept. One thing I do want to touch on. Now we both hog hunted extensively. And mm-hmm. so we do have that in common as far as, you know, we've seen dogs go hog hunting quite a bit. Um, our coon dogs, uh, even some that were raised around hogs, sometimes they just absolutely can't resist to run a hog. Now the guys yeah. that I hog hunt with these dogs, these hog dogs don't say a lot on the ground. Uh, they, they, they bay up, you turn the catch dog loose into it. A lot of fun. I love hog hunting, but yeah. I've had one coon dog dollar who was a, who died at five years old, uh, unfortunately, and was a gold champion back when it was hard to make gold champion. This is a really good coon dog, but he was, when he set his mind to run a hog, he was dynamite. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would bay and open on the ground when he did it and bay a lot of hogs and hold a lot of hogs and was good at it. So, I mean, when you look at something like that, you can also, you know, we've had dogs that didn't quite make it as a coon dog that we sent over here to a local coyote hunter that just loves them. You know, yep. you can look at a dog and see what its natural talent is and then let that natural talent fit itself towards a game or a style of hunting or something like that as well. Have you done that with any of yours? You you bet. I had a plop female here that uh, she just was not a good locating dog. She was not a good tree dog. She wouldn't stay treed. But, man, she could flat smoke a track. Yeah. And she ended up going to Mississippi and became a deer dog down there. And the, and they loved her. Yeah. So that, that's, that's always been something that I've looked at and thought, you know, just because it's the dog is not necessarily suiting my needs doesn't mean it doesn't can't find its purpose in life somewhere. When you've got a dog with that much drive and that much ability to do a certain thing, we can find a job yeah. for it. Yeah, that's something is finding a job for the right ones. Now, we talked about prey drive and how important that is and how you can do mm-hmm. so much with a dog that's got prey drive. Mm-hmm. And then I've talked about independence and we've talked about brains and we want to get all that wrapped in together, you know, when we're a competition coon hunter. But we have lost and I we talked with Shorty about this too. Uh I'm gonna speak to my line of dogs, you know, they lost a lot of that prey drive when we encouraged all these brains and all this independence it got to the point where as these dogs get older especially the males that they quit focusing on just going out and treeing coons and they're worried about the other dogs they're worried about what's going on around them they're worried about where they're at you know and that to me is a lack of prey drive if that dog was singularly focused on tree and coon, sometimes if them dogs that just want to tree coon so bad, they don't care what's going on are the ones that win big long-term. And mm-hmm. so we're getting a year, two years out of ours and they lose that prey drive. You know, they would, you take shock, for instance, we can take shock out by himself and just tree the fire out of coons. I Jed treated a dozen singles with him the other night by midnight, just him mm-hmm. by himself. But you turn him loose in Texas with three other dogs, he may not get treed. He may not. That's the last thing on his mind is running in tree and coons. 
But is that a lack of prey driver? Is that just being soured on hunts? Hunt sour. It, well, I kind of think they're one and the same, Chris, because if that dog had enough prey drive, he would overcome those those instances. You know, if he really wanted to go tree a coon, he wouldn't care what was around mm-hmm. him. He wouldn't care where we turned him loose. And some of these, like Bella, for instance, even though she wasn't as talented as Shock, one late late in her career with me because she always just wanted to go tree a coon. She didn't care who was turning her loose, where she was at, nothing. She just wanted to go tree a coon. And that yeah. to me was prey guy. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top-of-the-industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. To be able to take that same dog out by itself and treat coons like that, then I think it goes back to the association deal where it's like, oh, crap, you know, Mm -hmm. For instance, when I put the dog box on the truck, I'm getting ready to go on a, I'm getting ready to pull out of here and go on a trip. And I put the dog box on the truck and the dogs, they know when they see me loading that truck, they know what's going on. And they're all just, yep. all eyes are on me. So, and I think, again, I can't help but think that they know when we're headed to Texas, when we're headed to town they know it's different. Something's different. You know, maybe, maybe you're leaving an hour to go hunting earlier than you normally would when you're hunting around the house, uh, whatever it is. And, and something clicks in that dog's brain where he's like, this isn't any fun anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it anymore. You look at, I'm going to use con again. Uh, we hunt out of tra- or Rangers or we hunt out of my little Suzuki or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I pull that down to the kennels right before dark. Super spoke. See that that dog's yeah. stoked. That dog's ready yeah. to roll. He knows he's going to get a coon rolled out to him. He knows he's going to get to do what he loves. But I pull in with that new black Chevy, and he know, and it's noon. He knows he's going down the road. He's not yeah. as excited. You know, he's not. But I think dogs like Bella or Hazel, who we just picked up, uh, some of these other dogs that win late in their career, they don't care where you're putting them. They know that dog box equals I can go tree a raccoon. They don't care what time it is. They don't care who's loading them. None of that. And that is what I equate prey drive to, you know, as well. I think that's more intelligence. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. And it's Hazel's kind of (laughs) dumb. Well, I'm not, I don't, I've never been around Hazel, but but it's one of those. God bless her. She ain't real bright. (laughs) You know, if if you, if you keep walking around the, if you know you're going to walk around the corner and get hit in the face with a baseball bat and you keep walking around the corner, then you got to start questioning your intelligence at yeah. that point. And, and 
but Some both, but both, of, that both of those instances, both of those instances equal, I'm going to get a chance to go tree coon. Yeah. You know, at noon yeah. in the black Chevy or at dark in the Ranger, they both equal. Eventually, I'm going to get cut out of this dog box and I'm going to get a chance to go tree coon. Chase, I think chase something and tree only, something. I think that's why there's only one world champion every year. Yeah, I agree. You know? And then you take those dogs that have consistently done it. That's what that that's what separates good from great, man. Yeah. You know, and the same thing could be said about big game dogs. I mean, you're leaving that you're leaving the house before daylight and sometimes those dogs will ride eight or nine hours in that truck and never get out. Yeah. But they go every day, you know, and those are the great ones, the ones that can go every day and do it every day. And I don't think they're, they, you know, probably pulled the trigger a little bit too quick on the intelligence part, because I've seen plenty of those dogs that were plenty smart, but they just knew that, you know, this, this part of it. Yeah. Uh, But they overcome it. And we've, you look at dogs 20 years ago, and I'm just talking about competition dogs. I don't think they were as intelligent as intelligent. You know, I think they were probably lacking in that area a little more than most. And, you know, they could focus, but they could focus on one thing. And that one thing was tree and coons. And now like you, you listen to the podcast with Ryan Croson here that we just aired. And he said, we also wasn't bringing those dogs up with Garmin's either. You know, mm-hmm. who knows what them dogs would have been if we knew what they were doing all the time and we were getting on to them <laughs> at a young age. <laughs> Man, we I remember when Garmin came out and we all looked at each other and we thought, we said, well, we're either going to, we're going to find out what we got now and we might find out that we've been hunting right. for a long time. I know we had a little, but, a little female called Missy that was real deep. A lot of times she'd just get deep and she, she had, now that I think back, she had a lot of coons off a of road. You know, mm-hmm. she'd be right along a road somewhere. Who knows how many roads that dog ran? We, yeah. we didn't know. You know, you had a beep-beep system, and you turn the dog loose. Now, don't get me wrong. Missy was his, she was the first good coon dog I got to see go consistently. I mean, you could turn that dog loose in rough weather, and you could end up with a coon treat, which is hard to do. You know, just like where you're at in the wintertime, it's hard to treat a coon in the winter. Yeah. And she would manufacture one, you know, especially when our coons were in stick. So, but who knows what that dog would have been like at six or seven years old if we'd have had a Garmin and, and we're nicking her when she's hitting them roads or we're doing this when she's, yeah. we just don't know. Country was a road runner. Yeah. A lot of dogs yep. are road runners, you know, yep. and, and we, we break them early from it. And, yep. but we have the opportunity to break them early from it now, you know, yep. where we didn't used to have that. I had a little mountain cur. He was a squirrel dog and I coon hunted him. I actually, actually had two different cur dogs that i pkc hunted and won money with both of them and um um they were just a different style of dog they yeah. were they were they knew when it was time to coon hunt and they knew when it was time to squirrel hunt now sassy she ended up kind of losing her zest for for tree and squirrels yeah she wanted to be a coon dog and see that's what i found with our dog. squirrel dog is he likes coons way more than he likes squirrels a lot of a lot of competition squirrel hunting guys will not let their dogs see a coon. You know they won't yeah. they won't shoot a coon down to the dog if they tree one. Yeah. We used to tree a lot of coons during the day with those dogs. Yeah, the minute and, the uh, minute we started rolling coons out to that dog, he didn't he didn't focus on squirrels as much. 
Yeah, isn't that crazy? That, I mean, I yeah. I guess coons are more fun to tree. I don't know. Squirrels eat better. Just, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You better believe it. Should I eat it or not? Yeah. But I, I think I, I, I just, I like having a dog that I don't like leaving dogs at home. Um, when I go on a road trip, my wife definitely doesn't like me leaving dogs at home. So out of necessity, then I started working on utility, utility type dogs and, kind of one of the things that got me going down that road with those two mountain curds that curves that mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, I still had competition coon dogs and breaking dogs for that. And I may not, I sold a lot of dogs to guys that took them and, and had success with them. Um, but I really just wanted dogs that I could enjoy. And I'll tell you, I've kind of been looking at some terrier stuff lately. That's crazy stuff right there. Them jag Yog terriers. My jag my brother had a couple jag terriers and yep. they were like yeah, little Tasmanian it. devils. And we actually had to sell one and or Jeremy did because they they would if they couldn't find anything to fight, they'd fight each other. You ought to hear David Snyder Yog his his Yog terrier story. I mean, it's just he's like <laughs> I can't even do it justice. But <laughs> so he he, he He's got these two pups and they're not very old. I need to get him one here to tell it. But uh, anyway, they tore the cage apart after the, that a possum was in. And then after they got done killing the possum, then they set into killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but, they are amazing animals. Now they have, a, yeah. they have a special place and a special purpose. I agree. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I haven't pulled the trigger because I don't know if I'm a good enough dog man to handle that. Yeah. That's why you know, I, when I started with the protection stuff, I started with the healer because I thought if I can't control him, at least he ain't going to kill nobody. <laughs> if I start yeah. with a bigger dog, it could really hurt someone, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, I think, yeah. and just like we talked about dogs having a job and, and finding a niche and a place for a dog that suits its talents. I mean, that's the same way with the terrier and the same way with the protection dog or the same way with anything, you know, you find, mm-hmm. you get a Jag terrier and you find something he's good at and that's just what you let him do. Yeah. But yeah. back to, we're talking about miscellaneous dogs and it was a master of, or a Jack of all trades, master of none type thing. But you hear guys talk about, well, I would tree squirrels in the day and coons at night with this dog. Yep. Or I would tree, you know, we just wanted to see game. If he had a possum, if he had a coon, if he had a squirrel, it didn't matter, you know. And those dogs are great. I mean, I encourage anybody to go out and just enjoy their dog. Mm -hmm. But I don't think a lot of these people that do that understand. And and I've I've brought retrievers into this and, and, and pointing dogs and everything. What specialists that competition coonhounds are, especially the ones that are hunting for big money. I mean, these are absolute specialists. And so to get that, you have to go through a completely different training process than something like your plots or, or even jazz who you're letting her hunt bear, but jazz is a special case because she was a coon dog first. She's seven years old. Yeah. She can do whatever she wants to do the rest of her life. Yeah, exactly. But so when you're starting those pups, I'm trying to think of all the different things that I would do with a dog, with one of our competition dogs that I wouldn't let him do if I was purely going to competition hunt him. And we talked about packed, packing. Mm-hmm. We talked about treeing off game. Uh, we talk about all these things that a dog naturally wants to do. 
And mm -hmm. so when I said the pinnacle earlier, you know, I was talking about making a dog a specialist and that's hard to do to make a dog do something that's unnatural. Mm -hmm. And so that's why brains are so important and stuff like that. But what I'm getting at is when you're looking to pick a pup, you really got to know what you want to do with that dog. You know, that's what I tell guys and you get messages just like I do. You know, I've got this pup and here's what he's doing and here's what I want him to do. And I, I'll, I'll, the first thing I ask the guy is, what's your goal with the dog? Right. You know, what do you, do you want to win a PKC world hunt or do you want to just go tree coons? Cause those are two completely different things. And so when you start a pup, do you start with a goal or do you do like, you know, we talked about just, just finding a place for the dog that suits its talents. I, I like, I like choosing the pup. I, I, I think all of us have, <laughs> When you get to the point that you and I are in training pups and selecting pups, we have found certain things that we see in puppies that works for us. We yeah. know when we see it that that's something I can work with. We we don't look at this pup over here because, man, I've been down that road before, and I've, I've so we stay away from that. So we, we naturally gravitate towards those pups that catch our eye that carry themselves in a certain way, um, that, that behave in their litter, you know, when they're romping or maybe they're not romping at all. Maybe they're off by themselves. You know, jazz was a freak. She would never play with the other puppies, mm -hmm. um, type thing. And I was keeping up on that litter the whole time they were born. And, um, so I really don't look for anything different than I would if I was training for me personally, if I was going to train a coon hound, um, Heath, Heath Hyatt's going to do, uh, a piece on the way they do puppy selections mm -hmm. in Europe. And there are other, uh, genres, if you will, of, of working dog breeds are so far ahead of us when it comes to selection and testing cognitive learning skills and, you know, all of these things that they're doing that we don't do, or we haven't caught on to yet. And there's a whole world out there for us to learn from. And I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. When we talk about puppy selection and cognitive ability and all those things, and you just mentioned, and some of the greatest handlers in the world are great because they know what they can win with. Yep. They don't know what wins. I mean, they don't care about what wins because they know they just know what they can win with. They like the st a yes. style of dog that suits them. Right. And so yep. when I go into puppy selection and I've raised several litters, uh, I look for an active pup. I look for something mm -hmm. and cause be, and it, this may be right or wrong. You know, everybody's going to be different, but I look for an active pup. I look for something that's out first. The first one out of the doghouse when I come walking down to their big puppy pen, that's the one I immediately like. I like the boldest right. pup. I like the one that's not scared of anything. I make a lot of loud noises around my litters when they're young. Uh, yeah. I look for, you know, a, a dozen different things. I look for some independence. I look for the pup that's the farthest the first. You know, yeah. when you let them out at dark and you shine your light out there and there's, there's one pup that's 200 yards away, that's the one I immediately gravitate to. Uh, there's, yep. there's a dozen different things I look at and I'm 
lucky enough to be able to watch just like you are to watch my puffs grow and to turn them loose and to to do things like that for six weeks eight weeks before i pick out which one i want out of the litter and and i usually sell the rest but what do you because i mean it's a it's a different ball game when i'm looking at what i'm looking for for a specific goal and i've missed i mean i i miss just as much as anybody now these pups that i raise that i pick out of a litter they all make serviceable coon dogs nine out of ten of them right you know dogs that you can just turn loose by itself and you can go tree coon and you can enjoy but they're not all big winners and mm-hmm. a big winner is what you know the goal i'm looking for but you got a litter you got them running loose what are the, some of the things that you have to have or you have to look for for a multi-purpose dog i don't think it comes at that stage yeah i i, th- I don't i don't think it comes at it's, it comes from exposure. It comes from later on in life of what you allow that dog to do. Because again, I'll bring up Heath Hyatt. You know, he, he made the statement in a couple of podcasts we've done with him. Um, you know, dogs are natural cheaters. Mm-hmm. They're going to take shortcuts. Yep. Um, they're going to find ways to cheat the system. So even though I'm picking that same pup, that same style of pup that you're talking about. And I, you know, like I said before, I want a box full of leaders. I don't need pack dogs. I don't need me too dogs. I want any one of them to be able to get something straightened out and have the confidence to go with it. And, and then the other dogs automatically know that they need to go to them. So we don't correct that. Yeah. We don't correct it when that happens. And, and when they first start, then, I encourage that same independent, bold, first out of the doghouse, off by himself, sniffing around, you know, jumping in a, a baby pool full of, of uh, empty water bottles to, <laughs> to snarf up feed and not being afraid of it. You know, if I can throw something under the car and they're underneath there with that, you know, they see the cat under the car and bang, they don't think a thing about crawling into a dark space. Uh, those are all things that, I always look for, and we always test them for in police dogs. And I found that that same aptitude applies to hounds. So I just don't discourage it later on in life. I think if you took that same pup that you chose and you allowed him to do certain things, then you could have the same results. You're probably right. I mean, you, and we get, there's, there's certain handlers that let dogs be dogs and let them do. Mm -hmm. I'm not in that boat. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that I want to mold a dog and that's why brains are so important. And one of the things I look for in a, in a young puppy is the ability to take correction and not pout mm-hmm. because I'm going to mold that dog a lot. I'm going to change everything that he, he's, his DNA says he should be, and I'm going to turn him into something different. And so right. that dog has to be able to take some, take some correction. And when I talk about correction, I'm not hard on a dog. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to just whip a dog. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to shock a dog much either. Uh, right. you know, but they have to be able to take what little correction I give and learn from it quick and not pout about it. Uh, these, these puppies, you know, and I, I, we, you get messages just like I do. I've got a 10 week old pup that just won't be quiet in the kennel. He won't be doing this and won't be doing that. And I said, well, I just don't allow that. And they said, well, how do you not allow it? I said, well, by 10 weeks, I know which dog I can get onto just a little bit and he's going to learn from it and he's not going to sulk up about it because if a dog pouts, if a dog can't take correction, if a dog doesn't let me mold it the way I want it to be, he's no good to me. 
Right. And so that's one of the things I look for in a pup. And you're, you talk about Heath and, and the things he does with dogs, which are, you know, he's a good dog, man. He's amazing at what he can do with an animal, but I assume a protection dog or a police dog or things like that, they can't sulk up or pout either. I mean, that, no, that, you, them are dogs that, that are top level, you know, what you're going to do with them. So they, they have to be able to know what you want and, and learn I, from I, it quick. I think it's important that, you know, we, we clarify what we, and I think you start, you did yeah. somewhat. Um, I'm not going to get rough on a, a dog. Yeah. Cause you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to do more detriment to the animal than, than what they're going to learn from it. A dog is communicates 80% and higher nonverbal. Mm -hmm. Okay. They can read your body language and you never have to say anything. Dogs are that keen on the way you are. When you come in and you're having a bad day, you came in from work that day, you know, you take, take your, your, uh, healer there. You know, if you get back in the truck, He's going to know what kind of mood you're in. I'll, I'll say right now, my healer it. don't give a shit what kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows. He, knows. he does know. He's, just, he's yeah. just hard-headed enough that he'll take it. <laughs> yeah. But so so a lot of times the dogs that are really good and, and that are really not going to sulk up, they already know what kind of mood you're in. Right. And they, just, they have that same same attitude that yours has. He doesn't care what kind of mood you're yeah. in, you know, and that can present a challenge as well. It is a challenge, but, but those, be, are, those are the dogs that, that are easier to deal with. You know, mm -hmm. I would rather deal with a hard headed pup that you can tell he knows what I want, but he's still going to push that boundary. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking for the same thing in a coon dog, you know, cause we, like I said, we got to mold these dogs into something completely different and mm -hmm. weird to them. And so to have them be able to push your limits and to push a boundary and get corrected continuously is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong yep. with that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, when you're a boot in the Marine Corps, you know, the thing that the drill instructor is looking for is he thrashes your ass in the dragon pit and you jump up and you say, thank you, sir. May I have another, yeah. you know, you get the lesson and you know what the boundaries are but you want to see that enthusiasm because you can overcome this. Yeah. And, and that's something I can work with. It's, the, it's the, frustrating the, sometimes, but it's the best route with the dog. The little pouty thing that goes over and sulks and crawls under the truck and you can't drag them out from underneath the truck because, because you looked at them wrong or you yelled at them mm -hmm. or, or you stomped and you know, man, I there's life's too short. Yeah. Go get those high motivation, high energy, great attitude type dogs, and you can make a you can make a very fun, pleasurable dog that you'll enjoy hunting. And, and for the long term too, those yeah. those dogs have a long term, you know, a characteristic about them that a pouty dog does not. Yep. You know, yep. you can get the pouty dog to do what you want for a while, but they're not going to do it forever. Yeah, yeah. I got to get Josh Josh Whitaker back on here uh to talk about a dog he had named ruckus <laughs> so ruckus ruckus was a line dog he and he's josh says he's got scars all over him and stuff but ruckus was just he said he was just a rude dog i mean he was just he didn't care no i mean he he'd walk by you if you weren't paying attention He'd walk by and hit, hike his leg and, mm -hmm. and just pee right, you know, piss right down your boot. He didn't care. 
And but man, that dog, he said that dog was absolutely a terror yeah. on tree and lions and bears. Yeah. I mean, he was just a beast. I there's nothing I hate worse than comparing uh dogs to people because they're not, you know, they right. for everything from their feed to their it's just a good metaphor. Yes, it is. But I will say that some dogs and some of the best dogs out there for what we do are assholes. And that, that's the best comparison I can have to him. Bella was one of those dogs. She hated Jed. I mean, this is a dog that, that, that would come out in can her you, kennel. Can you blame her? No, I don't blame her. She hated me too. I blame her <laughs> I for just that. Wanted to make sure. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> she would come out in her kennel and you would reach in the kennel to pet her and she would back up. She didn't like pet. She didn't like touch. She didn't like nothing. Yeah. And she was just one of those dogs that, that didn't absolutely didn't care who was turning yeah. loose and, and some of those dogs are good dogs, but they all have like a different, they all have a different personality and a different temperament. And some of those temperaments are, are equatable to human beings. And, and some of them are not, but as far as some of the great dogs well, are really not people type dogs. Since you already tapped that, that, you know, that well there on, on comparing to people it is a good metaphor and it helps us understand what we're talking right. about because we interact with people every day if you're around some guy that that you don't know how he's going to be from from one day to the next uh he's he doesn't react the same way every day i mean that's that's a i've worked for people like yep. that and it's like who am i getting today yep. you know which which guy am i getting today and i've had employees that were like that and that's hard and then you take you take the person that when you tell them they internalize it and they get, you know, they want to know why you're picking on them and give me a break, dude, yeah. grow a big boy pair and let's get, get on with this or find something else to do. I haven't got time for it. When you look at, at, at our relationships with people and our relationships with dogs, they are similar in some ways. And the most successful relationships with both people and dogs are consistency. You have you to be, bet. you have to be the same with that you dog bet. all the time. It's whole life. Uh, one, I think that's one of the keys. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, consistency is the most important part. I don't care if you're raising children or you're trying to make a competition coon dog, or you're trying to make a multi-purpose game dog. You have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, I think that's where it is, Josh, when, you know, I'm consistent on, no, you can't run the deer. No, you can't. You, I don't let it. Believe it or not, I've still got enough coon hunter with Emmy that I don't let the plots tree possible. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, still do, can't it. do it. I, I still you can't ought to do let it. them poor dogs tree a freaking possum every now and then, pal. I'm not saying that they won't run down, the, you know, they won't yank one no. out of the log and I, I'm walking walking through the woods and found one string out in the trail or something. And I know what happened. I got, to I got, it, a, I funny, I got a funny story about that while we're at it. Me and Finley and uh, Mike Ralston were hunting one night and Squeaky who is the, the dam to stylish Bella traders, Dempsey dog, or yeah, Dempsey, uh, con man blinking. I mean, this dog threw a shine. This dog threw a ton of good dogs. She was also a finalist in the PKC world hunt. She was a almost, she died almost a platinum champion when it was hard to make platinum champion. I think she won like $18,000 mm -hmm. and we were hunting her one night. Uh, Jed was just getting her out to let her, let her have some fun, you know, nothing crazy. And we turned loose, her and two or three other dogs. 
And she gets in there, she gets struck, she gets split, you know, like they all do. We got a three or four way split or whatever, and we're walking the trees and we get to squeak and she's 11 at the time, I think, 10 or 11. And she's got a possum. And Jed, Jed looks at me and goes, what do I do here? I said, for, for crying out loud, Finley. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I said her pup earnings are like $5,000 a pup. I said, she got you in the finals of the PKC world. Let that dog tree a freaking possum if she wants to. No doubt. <laughs> you know, I've had older dogs like that, that, that were good coon dogs. I mean, by standards of those days. Yeah. Um, and I had a little, I had a red bone female and I made her a grand night back in the late eighties and stuff. And, and when she got to be about 11 years old, I just turn her out and let the pups run around with her and let her take them hunting and stuff. And, um, she started running rabbits on me and I thought, what am I going to do? My, my <laughs> red bones running rabbits. And I thought, I'm not going to do a damn thing. She's 11 yeah. years old. She can do whatever she wants to do. Yeah, I know I had Duds down in Texas last year. I just packed him along just so people didn't have to take care of him when I was gone, just like you do with Jazz. Yeah. And we turned him loose one night, uh, coon hunting. And, man, he's 200 out of the pickup. Yeah, we got two good dogs with him. We got Justin Caldwell's female with him, and I believe we had Rain with him. And out of the pickup, that dog's always been dynamite. And so he's 200 mm -hmm. out of the truck. I hadn't hunted him in six months. And uh, I cut him loose off that tree. He goes to trees another coon by himself. I cut him loose off that tree, and he's he's done. He don't want to go hunting, so he stands by me. <laughs> I mean, just sits down right on a log next to me while we're here. Rain street in there, you know. And he, this dog's just sitting there by me, like, "What are we doing out here, Dad?" <laughs> and yeah. I finally just said, "You know what? You do whatever you want. You're ten years old. You're retired. You can go ahead." That's right. But if that yep. dog would have covered late, I probably still would have got on to him. <laughs> <laughs> some things I, I just can't I, abide yeah yeah i think uh take it back to consistency you know that's that is so important for training dogs yeah and that's why we got the results when i talked about you know the law enforcement dog the police service dog being consistent i handled them the same way every time i take them out of the truck you know i can still tell you the routine that i went through every time that i took that dog out of the truck and then when i want him to do one job then then i was consistent in the way i handle them the the gear i got out the gear i used i put them in the same spots i said the same things it's just uh it's consistency you know what do you think about you know because i've had the opportunity to train some bird dogs and to train some retrievers and these are not these were serviceable, serviceable bird dogs and serviceable yeah. retrievers. These were not top notch, you know, go in some kind of world hunt type dogs, but they were serviceable dogs. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just about a trainer training a different style of dog and how that equates to what they do with their hounds. Cause I learned a lot from training labs. I really did, uh, you know, on how I put pressure on a dog and, and, you know, certain, just little bitty training methods, you know, so, so handlers can learn a lot about training a different style of dog. I think, you know, as opposed to just coon dogs all their life. Man, that's why I've, I get messages about when are you going to have a podcast about doing this with a dog and talking about, you know, chasing a certain animal. Yeah. Um, and there's, 
that's not what we do. We're trying to train people to be houndsmen, right. to be better trainers, to be, to, to, to be able to excel with their dog, whatever their goals are, meet their goals with their dog. Um, and the dog world is full of experts and, and the way a dog learns is the same from a lab to a chihuahua to a coon hound. They, they learn the same processes, you know, uh, and to discount that or only live inside your own little echo chamber and try to find we're, we're cheating ourselves when we don't look at how bird dog guys do certain things. And I'll give you a perfect example right now is the Iditarod's going yep. on and these sled dog guys have got so much experience and, and nutrition and training and conditioning and even the way they handle their dogs and things like that, you know, a smart, somebody that really wanted to excel would expand their horizons and start looking and get that extra edge because most, even competition coon hunters aren't looking that big picture. Yeah. We got they try and, to look and see what, yeah, we got to get an edge because it's, it's yep. a, it's a very tight race and, and say the pro classic world where you're, and, you're and drawing you're, very similar dogs every night and it's a tough cast to win just one little edge as far as conditioning, hydration, uh, certain training techniques that are not used with hounds, but are used with other yep. styles of dogs. You know, those are important. Yep. And, and when we live in our own little echo chambers or we only get on Facebook and we ask other, we're not going to find a way to excel by looking at Ryan Croson or weed or whatever, you know, we can, we can, strive to achieve that but to get an edge on them by watching them probably not going to happen but you might be able to pull it from right you know well you look at guys like weed and croson those are such special cases because Mm -hmm. they have a knack that 99 out of 100 of us don't have or 999 out of a thousand of us don't have i can watch larry bird play basketball right over and over and over and i'm not going to play basketball you know i i'm not the talent scout that Ryan Croson is. I'm not the mm-hmm. uh, handler that Weed is, you know, or I'm not the trainer that a, that a Chuck Dunlap or somebody like that is, you know. So I have to look to other avenues, and I encourage other houndsmen to do the same thing. To Agreed. look because if you want to reach that level, and you don't have that talent, you're going to have to do something different. Yep. Yep. All right. I agree. So Chris, to close this out, um, we've been at it for a while. Let's talk about, I want to talk about the one thing in a baby puppy. I get this question a lot. The one thing in an eight to 10 week old puppy that you see that's early. And I know that's early to judge a dog. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's early to judge a dog, but you see something in that eight to 10 week old puppy that you just can't abide. What is it? That I won't stand for. You won't absolutely won't stand for. You can see it when they're babies. It's that dog that it's it's got to be shyness. I mean, yeah. I've I I was gonna you know throw a couple things around, but but the dog the puppy that is just inherently shy, and I I do a lot of different things with those puppies from the time. I don't do a, I handle them daily and do different stuff with them before they're weaned. But once they're weaned, then I set different weird stuff up. Yep. You know, I'll hang, 
I'll I'll hang empty water bottles with gravel in them front in front of the doghouse, you know, and have like three or four of them. So they've got to push through that to come out. And I'll I will set a fan up with streamers on it so that it's streaming because I put fans on them in the summertime yep. and and have those streamers. If I see a puppy over there that's over there yanking on the streamers or trying to figure out how to grab them, you know, that puppy catches my eye. If I see that puppy that comes out of the dog box and kind of turns sideways and is looking around and afraid to come out, that's a that's a warning signal to me. He's a timid pup. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things that we at and you get questions about that, you know, all oh, this pup's scared of this and this pup's scared of that, this pup's scared of everything. And I, I hate to break it to you, but get a different pup. I mean, that, I that pup's probably not going to make it. And don't get me wrong, I've seen some shy dogs and some timid dogs and some, we call it backwards. Some mm-hmm. backwards dogs make it, but it's very uncommon. And They're not going to make it you know, here. Give that dog a good loving home somewhere and 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 count your just just take your losses and, and get you something else because those are you're gonna have a hard road to hoe with a with a timid pup the things you gain in experience by learning that you know um are valuable too you just learned a valuable lesson if you and i get those messages too hey my dog's doing this my dog's doing that and i'm just like man uh, cut your losses and move ahead yep. chalk it up to experience yep. and not every time, but I mean, a lot of times, but shyness and timid lacking confidence. And, and I'm not talking about the first day I put the fan in there. All those pups are looking out of the box, like what the heck is this? You know, but if you give them five to 10 minutes, it's, you know, they start peeking out and start coming out and and stuff like that. So I'm not talking about first exposure type stuff. I don't want a dog to be suicidal. Uh, That is lacking brains. But um, if I continually see that, and you pick them out pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I agree. Chris, Yep, it's been fantastic. I think well, there's Always. been a lot of good points shared tonight. Do you have anything else you want to share before we close this out? Nothing that I can think of. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and supporting Josh and the truth. And, and uh, keep tuning in. We got a lot of good things coming up with the truth and, and the regular Houndsman XP podcast on Monday. Uh, we enjoy bringing it to everybody. Uh, we enjoy doing it. And uh, like I said, man, kudos to, all, kudos to all the listeners. Our listeners have been really great, Chris. They really have. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Yep. So, all right. This is Josh Michaelis uh, on The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. And uh, as Chris would say, I'm going to close this one out for you, Chris. You, <laughs> you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine. You got it, man. All right. Thanks, Chris. Hey, that'll do it for this episode of The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you to do something for us. Share this with your friends. Share this with other people that are hunting hounds. And then go ahead and go into Apple iTunes and leave us a rating. But then just a couple lines. You like the truth. Um, Josh is full of crap. Whatever Whatever you want to put in there will work for us. And uh, give us that five-star rating. And I want you to go ahead and take a look at Rough Cut Company. Rough Cut Company will take your high-resolution images, and every cell phone is better than the old Kodak that you used to carry taking pictures anyway. So take good pictures of those hounds, memorable moments, 
and go to roughcutcompany.com. You can upload that video right there and they will transfer that over to native Wisconsin hardwood and give you back something that is going to be a heirloom piece, something that you will be able to pass down and be proud to display in your home. So go to roughcutcompany.com and at checkout, enter the code HXP 10% off. You will get 10% off of your order and the next five people that use our code at Rough Cut Company will get a new, brand new, hot off the press, Houndsman XP cap. Those will ship from Dogs Are Treed. Check out Dogs Are Treed at dogsartreed.com. The highest quality gear in the industry. Leashes, tieouts, paws are protected, dogs are hydrated, all of the best stuff that you need to keep those hounds in the field day after day. And at checkout, enter the promo code HXP, 20% off, and you'll get 20% off your order. Go to dogsartreed.com, check them out. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time.